if you're here for the first time, a really, really special welcome. And I just want to say a big thank you, really, as I begin, just in terms of this service. Uh, bringing it all together is always quite an interesting uh, art. And um, there's so many different people I want to say thank you. Thank you for Borenwood Brass. Great to have you with us here tonight, helping us. Really appreciate your time coming and joining us. Thank you for those that have been reading uh, with, uh, with so beautifully and so amazingly, uh, with uh, resplendent earlier, uh, uh, with the uh, lights and everything. Um, and um, the musical items have been really precious, haven't they, uh, Sylvie? And also, as Mark have shared, really appreciate those times. And also my amazing wife, as she's uh, been leading as well. Um, and the refreshments team. Uh, in advance, we got... Tremendous refreshments down there. We got some mulled wine. We got some non-alcoholic versions of that, and uh, various others uh, involved in it. Just wanted to share a few things, really, um, uh, to sort of, if you get like, give a bit of a bit of a focus for us this Christmas time. I don't know how things are looking for you uh, this Christmas. Uh, we're told in every shop uh, as we go through it that it's the most wonderful time of the year, and yet. I would suggest that is not the case for many, many of us uh, this year. As we look around, it doesn't seem so wonderful. Yes, we're out of the World Cup, but we'll get over that. But more than that, there is a real sense of worry and fear. It was interesting, even going out on the streets, I say, this week and talking, that sense of fear is almost tangible around the place. And we have ourselves things like a food bank and a cap debt center, and the numbers are going up for that. Even uh, uh, the three days before uh, Christmas, we're taking a hamper delivery out with Christmas uh, lunches, uh, with turkeys to those struggling. And we've got more this year than we had last year. Thinking of turkeys, though, even they are under pressure this year. A friend of mine recently went looking for a turkey, couldn't find one big enough. And he said to the lady in Tesco's, do these turkeys get any bigger? To which she replied, rather dead pan, pan, no, sir, they're dead. One of, think about it. One of the great features um, of Christmas, of course, are the lights. And we've become a nation of lighting, even to the point where we have lit up the tree outside the front, especially for you here today um, and uh, throughout the rest of the year. But anyhow, inside, outside our homes, we love research, um, uh, lights. And I thought I'd do a bit of research. How do we end up with all these lights and being into lights in such a big way? Apparently, in the 1890s, they always seem to start in America, these things, but in the 1890s, there was a young boy uh, who fell ill near, near Chicago. It wasn't anything with Chicago as such, but he fell ill. And he was confined to bed during the winter months. And all he could see from his window was a large evergreen tree. To cheer himself up, he asked his dad to drape lights over the tree. His father, the owner, who happened to be the owner of the local electrical store, decided he would do that. He put colored lights all over the tree and his son watched them glow and sparkle. And people heard about this and they traveled in their carriages here, there and everywhere to see this incredible sight. And so by 1895, the whole of America was into illuminated lights. But of course, you can believe what I've just said or not. The fact is, is we have really got into lights. And actually, there is something about light that is amazing, isn't it? Because I suppose above all things, it is a symbol of hope. 
you know, whether it's just providing a way of getting back from uh, a particularly dark part of Barnet to, to here where you need a light to get you there, or if there's some sort of destination in the middle of the countryside you're trying to find somewhere, light is something you want to cling on to. And here, as was just read, we discover about light. And I want to talk about light in the darkness because the Gospel of John that was just read, writing in a time of real darkness, Emperor Nero was the emperor at the time. There was economic chaos going on, discord, war. And into this time, he wrote these words, which I want to put up on the screen. In him, talking of Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it and it seems we are all searching for light if we don't find it specifically maybe in Jesus we will try and find it in a whole load of different places but here we see written something powerful and even when I ask the question what's the point people are struggling to find out what that is could it be that Jesus has something to do with it all. What does he bring? Three things I want to draw out. Firstly, his birth brings light. In him was life. Light dominates every part of the Christmas story, doesn't it? From the angels and the shepherds and the stars and the wise men. And this week, I was in... Uh, uh, well, I was, you know, this was the week of nativities, wasn't it, in schools? Many of you, whether you were parents or grandparents would go along there, obviously, primarily to photograph your, or take a photo of your own child. You couldn't care less about any of the others. But that's what you were primarily there to do, or whatever. But, you know, fascinatingly, a lot of them obviously refer to lights. And I heard of this story of a, a particular nativity with many of the nativity characters in it. And the highlight of the play was to show the radiance of Jesus. An electric bulb was hidden in the manger, in this particular nativity. All the stage lights were to be turned off, leaving only one light in the manger and on the manger. And at the appropriate time, all the lights went out. Even the manger light, the silence was broken when one of the little shepherds loudly whispered, Hey, you turned off Jesus. (laughs) You see, Christmas shines a light on a human who is the very hinge of history. If you like, our whole timeline, doesn't it, wraps around this birth. Why did God become a human? Because he wanted to communicate with humans. If he wanted to communicate with cows, he would have come as a cow. If he wanted to communicate with ants, he would have communicated with ants. But he wanted to communicate with you and with me. And so he became a human being. Elsewhere, Jesus said this. If you want to see God, look at me. And the amazing thing is, God didn't meet us halfway. He went all the way. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. By the way, why did Jesus come as a baby? Do you ever think about that? I'll tell you why. Because no one is afraid of a baby, are they? We have had some new babies born in this church. Nobody's afraid of a baby. Lots of ways God could have come to earth, but they would have been pretty scary. But God didn't come to earth to scare us, but to save us. 
That's why he came. And through this baby's life, the world will never be the same. And just like a guy called Gypsy Smith once said, I never want to lose the wonder of it all. There's something glorious, isn't there, about the wonder that exudes from children. They never seem to lose sight of the wonders of creation and life. And yet somehow over the years, we get tired of just simply wondering. And maybe the lights of Christmas, maybe Christmas reminds us of the wonder of it all. Let's not let wonder go to sleep. Maybe we need a fresh sense of being reminded that in him was life. That his life, his birth brings light. Because secondly, his light gives life. And that life was the light of all mankind. As one famous verse in the Bible says, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Why? So that we might have and know life, both now and forever. You see, the problem is, isn't it, that many people want to keep the baby Jesus as a baby. There's a story of a little girl who's taken by her family around the city lights, and they stop at a beautifully done nativity scene. Isn't that beautiful, says the girl's grandmother. Look at all the animals and Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. Yes, Grandma, replies the granddaughter. It's really nice. One thing that bothers me, isn't the baby Jesus ever going to grow up? He's the same size as he was last year. And yet so often that's what we want, the nice, neat and tidy and sweet. And yet if Jesus had stayed as a baby, there would actually be no reason to celebrate Christmas. Because he came for a number of reasons. To show us God, but ultimately he shows us that he was born to die. You see, Jesus did actually grow up. He lived an amazing life. He came on a mission, and that mission was God's love story for the world. As it says elsewhere in the Bible, God shows his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He put his love on the line to send his perfect son to sacrifice his life for us. To sacrifice his life for sin. What's sin? Well, if you take the I in the middle of sin, it's that. Selfo firsto, the old Latin phrase, the I in the middle of sin. The bottom line is we're not perfect. We need help. Heaven is a perfect place. There's no sin. There's no sorrow. There's no suffering. There's no sadness. There's no sickness in heaven. Heaven is perfect, but we're not. So how does God get imperfect people into heaven? God has a plan, and it's called grace. Because heaven is perfect, we're not, so we need a savior. I heard of a kid who wrote to Santa Claus, and he wrote this. Dear Santa, there are three boys who live here at our house. There's Jeffrey, who is two. There is David, who is four. And there's Norman, he's seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. Norman is good All of the time. I am Norman. You see, the problem is none of us are Normans. None of us are good all the time. So someone's got to pay for our sins. Someone's got to pay for those sins. Either you have to pay for them or someone else does. The good news of Christ 
and Christmas is this. Everything that you've ever done wrong, everything you've ever done wrong, has been paid for. That's why Christ came to earth. That is, if you like, God's great Christmas present to every single one of us. It's available to all mankind, as it says there. Age, gender, background, education. The same gift to everyone at any place, in any time. He is light bringing life. And finally, it says this. The life overcomes darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's amazing, isn't it, when you go in a dark space. Sometimes it might be in your attic when you have to go up there and get the lights to come down for Christmas. Whatever, you go in there, don't you? And suddenly you shine a light or you put the light on and things scuttle out the way, don't they? Whether it's the spiders or the mice or whatever it might be. There's something about light that exposes the darkness, isn't it? And Christmas is that moment when God punched a hole into the darkness. And boy, do we not feel that at the moment? As was mentioned earlier, we look around and we feel that sense of darkness. We see it in the world around us. And for many of us here today, in this room, there's a darkness. It may be reflected in loneliness or fear or anxiety or sadness or loss or grief or whatever it might be. And into the midst of that, what do we do? We can fill our life with all the Christmas stuff. Or maybe we could recognize this God who loves us and knows us has given his life that we might be free. That into this spiritually dark world, the light has come and shows that life is stronger than death and light is more powerful than darkness. You see, darkness in whatever form, it conceals reality, but light exposes here, exposes it and enables good, real hope to come in in the person of Jesus. And Christmas says this, There is someone who loves you. And some of us need that reminder. There is someone who loves you. There is someone who is for you. And as it says later in the book of John, Jesus said this, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And right at the end of that reading that was read a bit earlier, There is an offering. It says, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And know God as our Father. And I, in a sense, and we want to say to you, the greatest gift you could ever know is that relationship with Jesus. And tonight might be that opportunity for you to say, yes, I want to receive that Jesus for myself. In a moment, I'm just going to pray a short prayer. But actually, afterwards, if you want to find out more, please chat to me. Uh, There are these little booklets called Why Christmas or Why Jesus over at the side there. And we've also got a lot of great stuff going on over Christmas. We're doing uh, more carols next Sunday morning. We're doing carols in Ravenscroft Park in the week just before Christmas. And we've got stuff then, an opportunity for you to discover more about this relationship with the light That is Jesus. Let's just pray for a brief moment. I just want us to be quiet. And let's recognize there could well be a sense of, I want to know this light for myself. Maybe there's a a, a darkness, a sense of, 
of, of loss. A sense of recognizing that you are a long way from God. God is calling to you. His light is available to you in the person of Jesus. And he says, come to me. I'm going to pray a prayer if for any of you, you recognize that you need Jesus. And if it's true for you, then reflect it in your heart. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Those areas of darkness. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything which I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.